it's uh, it's so great but not to be surprising come a bit closer come a bit closer not to be surprising when um all these kind of things that get shared actually is all to do with what i've prepared for this uh this morning and felt very kind of vulnerable about preparing and you know is this right have i heard god and then so many of the things that we've just heard this just now is really um so much the same as as what i've been preparing and, and kind of packaging it up even well much much better much better um just really sense this uh this this breakthrough of of praise for us and i know we've had the similar conversation many times but just really i don't want to over kind of overstate these things but i do do feel like there's a spiritual breakthrough there's like a spiritual earthquake or a shattering when we when we praise and it hits a certain point and it's not our might and and that but when we in in faith when we praise and reach a certain point i just believe that there's like some cultural um strongholds or however however whatever language you want to use around that but i think there is a there is a breakthrough there is a breakthrough and i think there's a there's like a there's a fruitfulness that flows out from that and i just i would say or i think god would say that we we said about an earthquake but i think in this in this week prepare for the aftershocks prepare to feel the aftershocks because we've hit we hit a breakthrough today and i think there's there's aftershocks to come and um just really just really loved what um what daniel was saying that that and it's so much to do with what we're we're talking about this morning that that he's he's expressing a kind of he's expressing like a practical or a personal sense of limitation but and yes it's a real limitation yes as a as a as a man and a woman together living in this apartment it's presenting it's presenting a limitation but that's not going to then redirect his faith it's not going to redirect what they believe they're here for it's not going to change the course of of what they're doing here and i think that's just so much kind of tuned into to what we're we're talking about this morning um in um I wasn't going to read this, but but I am now. I am, and uh, <laughs> um, as ever, there's plenty to fit in. But uh, I do I do want to squeeze this in. And uh, from from Genesis one, it's familiar, but just just like just let the word sink in, and uh, and we'll be kind of um, talking, referencing to to those, I guess, through through what we're saying. Um, Genesis 1 and verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. (laughs) So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Did you hear that? God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, look, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face 
of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of heaven and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. God, God says it's very good. God says it's very good. And he's talking about, he's talking about us. Yeah, he's talking about the, the, first, the first people that he created. But he's talking about humanity. He's talking about us. And I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about growth this morning. But... I just felt God, God just led me to talking about humanity. And I, I, don't know, I don't know what you think about humanity. I was kind of referencing it when I was trying to kind of sum up what, what Daniel was saying. I don't know what you think about humanity. Who, I mean, who thinks humanity is great? Few people. I do. I do. We think of, we think of humanity is great. I, I do. Or maybe I'm biased because I am human and I think, oh, yeah, it's great. But... But um, maybe the people that didn't put their hand up aren't human, so they don't want to say humanity is great. But, but if you think of like the heights of human achievement, like, you know, something like getting to the moon or, or whatever, it's like the, heart, the, the most amazing thing that we people can do, isn't it? Getting, getting someone to the moon before really like proper uh, computers and stuff like that, massive calculations even worked out on a, on a blackboard with chalk of how, how, to get, how to get an orbit worked out to get someone to the moon and back. Amazing, amazing. And things have kind of, things have progressed at such a rate since then that now, um, I remember, I remember uh, years ago, there was an advert for a BMW car and it was saying that there's now more, there's more technology power in this one car than what they got someone to the moon with. That's the power, like the kind of computer power within this car is more than what they used to, to get someone to the moon. And that was just to make a car. And we can kind of, I don't know, sometimes it can feel arrogant, but it can feel like, wow, what can, what can humans achieve? What can we do? But obviously we can also, there's also a kind of critical culture of, of humanity. We think of like even, even science fiction films and stuff like that. I know there's a few science fiction film people here, but often it's kind of, you know, um, this artificial intelligence actually comes and replaces the human thought. It kind of over, overcomes humanity or, or kind of questions, questions human existence um, or kind of taken, taking, taking humanity over by some kind of superior life form or something like that. We kind of laugh at it, but those are, those are big... Those are big themes, that we're just these little ants and one day this big thing comes and, and, and takes us over because we're so weak and, and nothing compared to these brain power of these other, these other things. It's a huge kind of narrative. It's a huge narrative. Or just in our personal lives, we kind of think, oh, you know, everything's going good, then we make a mistake. What do we say? Oh, I'm only human. I'm only human. You know, it's almost like the, one of the number one excuses that we hear for, for us being the way that we are. I, I'm just a human. Don't blame me. I'm limited. I'm just one person. I can't be everywhere at once or I've only got one pair of hands or any of those kind of cultural references to, to being human. 
One minute it's great to be human, next minute it's our biggest excuse for being who we are. Oh, well, I'm human. <laughs> it can be like that in the church as well. We can't, one minute we're talking about, yeah, we move a mountain, all of that stuff. Yeah, one minute. Next minute we're like, oh, but we're just people, aren't we? We're just like, we're just the way we are. How can we, what are we going to do about all of that out there when we're just like, we're just these people, just the way we are here? You know, we could really, we could really get somewhere with this church plant. We could really achieve something in this city. Like, if I wasn't the way I am, then we could really, we could really go somewhere. We could really, you know, if we were more bold, more gifted, everything, we could really get somewhere with this. Well, it's great news. It's great news. We've heard it already. It's great news. We're human. <laughs> That's the good news for today. We, we are human. We are human. And the even better news that tops that is God knows that we're human. God knows we're human and God made us to be human. It's not mistake or accident or a kind of, you know, a short or shortfall. God made us to be human. We just read about it. And he delighted over that creation. He said it was very good. It was very good. The care, the attention, the kind of the the um, the authority that he extended to have have dominion. Have dominion. The, the, the destiny that he spoke into humanity to, to be fruitful, to, to multiply out. That's the, that's the destiny. That's the purpose that he spoke into humanity right at the start. He didn't say, oh, this is not very good. These little ants and maybe they'll do well, maybe they won't. He said, it is good. It is good. And be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with my family, he said. Wow. Wow. God designed us to be human. It's not our biggest obstacle. Being human is not. He loves humanity. He loves mankind. He's, he's, he's put us to be like agents of the kingdom, to declare, to bring, to talk about his kingdom, to, to demonstrate his kingdom, to pray the, the prayer the prayer of a righteous angel is powerful and it's working. No, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's working. He's positioned us as humans to bring the good news of who Jesus Christ is to this devastatingly broken world that we see out there. However, however terrible, However broken, however dysfunctional the world looks out there, when we think of out there, we are, by the power of the Spirit, we are the solution. Wow. Wow. We, we just were hearing about that, that we are, we are the ones, we are the ones called to go. In Matthew 16, it says, I, I just love, just, lo just kind of fallen in love with the, the gospel of Matthew again. It's just it's so amazing. But in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow. Wow. Whatever you do. Whatever you do will have like a consequence in heaven. 
Huh? Are we, <laughs> are we still feeling like little ants or, you know, little microbes or something? Or are we thinking, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, maybe, just maybe it's good to be human. You think, well, what about my limits? What about my limits? Well, actually, actually, I've, I'm sure, we just, we heard about it already, I'm sure God designed those limits into the system. They're not kind of, you know, a kind of tripwire or something that's been secretly put in there. They're intelligently, smartly, lovingly, joyfully designed into the system. We're designed with limits. We're designed to feel tired. We're designed to need one another. We're designed not to know everything. We're designed to need to trust God, to believe him for our future promise. We're designed not to be everywhere at every time and to be into everything at any one time. Designed that we can only have our feet on the ground at one place at one time. When, uh, when later in the story, in Genesis, we know it, when, when um, Adam and Eve were tricked, they eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We, we know that, don't we? They thrust, they thrust themselves, they thrust humanity, they thrust us into this place of this kind of hunger or this desire to know everything and to live without, without the limits that God gave into the design. That, that's what they kind of thrust things into. So, but limits, being human, not, is not designed to be like this kind of cage or this dark dungeon for us to sit in and lament that we can't escape out of. It was into the design. And I think since that point, since that point, we kind of, We've become, we, we've become that perspective of wanting to know everything, wanting to be everything. We've, be, we've become that and wanting to kind of overcome, overcome the limitations of our humanity. Think of, think of David and Saul. David and Saul. David, David probably one of the only people that you can really that you can read about in the bible who was okay with about his limits he was able to lament he was able to grieve he was able to talk and open up about his mistakes and his limitations as much as he had as a great king such riches such power as much as he had he was still able to look into his limitations Saul was not, was he? We know the story. He couldn't stomach his limitations. He had everything. He had everything. But even as king, he was preoccupied by his limitations. He was preoccupied with what he did not have. He was preoccupied with what others thought that he was not. He was like gripped, gripped in this unhealthy way by his own limitations and his desire, his hunger to be on top, to know everything, to be everything. 
I think as I've, as I've read, but I'm only human, as I've read, as I've read the word of God, I, I think the only other person that strikes me that can kind of tap in and be comfortable with his limitations is, is Paul. Again, he's just so tuned in to his weakness. He's so tuned in to what he doesn't have. It's why he writes so well about the, the grace of God, because he knows who he is. He knows who he is. And it's not, I need to overcome, but it's that I am who I am. But isn't the grace of God marvellous? We're spiritual creatures, aren't we? That's, you know, we're, we're human, we're flesh and bone, but we're spiritual creatures. We could talk so much about being human that we forget that we're spiritual creatures. When we're born again, it says we're born again of the spirit. We're born into something spiritual. But we're human. We're the created ones. We're not the creators. We're sons. We're spiritual sons. We're spiritual heirs. We're friends of Jesus, not servants, friends, as he calls us. But all of that, but we're still human. We're still human. In, in Ecclesiastes, there's another, another verse that's, that's famous, we know, but it says he's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart. So we're... we're hardwired for eternity that's why that's why you kind of almost try and think of think of not existing think of death and you don't exist anymore it, you can't think it you can't imagine it because it's like we're, we're hardwired for it we're hardwired to live for eternity whatever our belief system you put eternity into man's heart yet it says yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. We've got eternity, we're spiritual creatures. This life is not it. We have eternity in our hearts, but we can't know everything from the beginning to the end, even though we've got eternity in our hearts. Jesus, as we know, you know, we, we study, study Jesus' life, one of the things he talks about, doesn't it? And the, in the kind of in the books and the commentaries and stuff it talks about jesus fully god yet fully man it's a great amazing doctrine isn't it that jesus was was fully full fullness of god yet fully this human being wow wow it's not that he was half god and half man you know like some sort of hybrid thing half god half man bit God but also bit man no he was the fullness the fullness of God is in him and yet he's fully a man I think we need to I've been thinking anyway we, we need to meditate on the idea of Jesus as the man as well as Jesus our God because the two kind of help one another they're not like these kind of two separate things, but the two, the two help one another. We, we spend a lot of time thinking of Jesus as God, 
But we don't spend that much time thinking, or I don't anyway, think that much about Jesus as the man. Jesus. He didn't sin. It says he didn't sin. But he felt what we all feel. Jesus, the man, he felt what we all feel. He knew pain in his life. He knew disappointment, let down from his friends and family. He knew hunger, probably fell asleep hungry sometimes. He experienced tears. He wasn't just this kind of one with this kind of light coming out of him and, and never, you know, just this kind of pious face and never showing any emotion. He knew, he felt, he felt tears, he felt water coming out of his eyes and down, down his face. Jubilation and celebration with his friends. He felt it, he felt it. Joy, laughter, maybe even laughter over something silly. He knew hard work, he did hard work. He did hard work in his ministry years, he did hard work leading up to that as he was an apprentice and becoming a, a carpenter. He knew hard work, he knew long days, he knew deadlines, he knew needing to get work done. He knew his hopes being dashed. I thought this was gonna happen, now this person comes to me and says this. He would have felt that. We, get, we know the end of the story, so we kind of think, oh well, when his friends came and accused this, or when he was told that he shouldn't be going into that person's house, and oh, you're now like this Jesus because of that, that, oh yeah, but we know, we know who Jesus is, so we don't enter into that, you know? People gossiping and slandering about him. We don't enter into that, because we, we think of the glorious end, which of course we must, but we also need to think that he was felt, like, felt this rejection. He felt this sadness. He probably felt, I don't know, again, he probably felt, probably working in his woodwork shop area, and he probably did something, I don't know, like tried to cut some wood and then watched it split in the wrong place or something. You know, or watched a bit fall off that wasn't meant to fall off. You know, probably got splinter. Probably got sawdust in his eyes. Probably got like calluses on his hand from working so hard. I'm sure he did. He was fully, fully God. Fully God, fully tuned in to the Father's will fully doing what he knew the Father wanted him to do, fully ready to execute his mission here, fully God, fully God. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean he was just this kind of being that didn't feel the agonising pain of dying the most awful, the most awful way that every every muscle, every nerve ending, feeling this horrendous pain. Doesn't mean he didn't feel it. 
because he was God and he was on a mission. He was a man. It's a bitter, bitter way to die for all of us. I'm not, I know you're, or I sense you're with, with me on this, that so I'm not sort of downplaying Jesus as, as God. And we, you know, we look, to the, we look to the book of Revelation and we see, wow, that's, that's, the, true, that's the true Jesus. That's the true unlimited Jesus. He's, you know, this great coming in with this great battle cry, this great hero coming in for us coming in to, to, to bring us to himself, coming in to slay everything that's rising up against him. Glorious image, this glorious white, this glorious beautiful image with this sword and everything. It's like that, that's, the, that's, the true, that's the true Jesus. So we don't, we don't forget that. But if we don't bring our, his humanity into our focus as well, really what we're kind of left with is this almost like this, this fairy, fairy godmother that just comes, you know, does some good stuff, does this way for us to kind of avoid the punishment that we should have and all of that, and, and, then, just, and then just goes off and didn't really, didn't really cost him anything. That's, what, that's really what we're left with. We're left with one that doesn't identify with us as humans in any way. Comes with a solution and then doesn't identify with us. That kind of other, that kind of magical character. And I say that, but I think we can sometimes think a bit like that. I say that as a joke, but we can sometimes think of, you know, God just popping down, da 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 and then off he goes. That kind of character has no, he can't take us, he can't take us as humans with him. It's not, he can't do that, he can't do that. But, but Jesus as the, the hard worker, the crier, the hugger, the celebrator, the determined one, the hopeful one, the, the feeler. What a person he is. What a man he is. Not just a magical creature, what a man. What a human that he personifies and represents humanity so well to us. Paints this wonderful picture of humanity. Not just this and then you're here, but this is, this, is true, this is true humanity, this is true life. While we push back against our humanity, against our limits, if only, God himself is willing and comes to show us what it is to actually be a true human. He's so generous. When we get born again, when we get born of the Spirit, we receive this glorious inheritance. It's packed with security, packed with authority, packed with identity. It's a rich, rich, 
unbelievably rich thing that we receive in the spirit. But we receive all of that, amazing, but we're not God. We're not God. We're receivers of this amazing thing, but we're not God. We're not without our limits. This is, this is us. All of, that, all of that inheritance, but this, this is us. This is us. It's nothing to despise. Nothing. Aches and pains, sadness, rejection, feeling geographically limited. Jesus, he didn't go more than 200 miles from where he was born. Like revolutionised the world. He didn't go more than 200 miles. Like, oh, if only I could be there. Oh, if only I could be there. What am I doing here? All of this. Jesus didn't. He could only be in one place and he stayed within 200 miles. He could only enter one household at a time and be with one group of people at a time, heal one by one. He could only conduct one conversation at one time. He couldn't change the fact of how the attitude of the people in his hometown was towards him. He couldn't change that. And we, we can feel that humanity is this thing that we could just need to overcome. Let's be more spiritual. Let's overcome our humanity. But when you look at it, it's actually God's grand, intentional, intelligent design for us all. And not something to despise or to come against. Philippians 2 describes Jesus. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, who, sorry, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's amazing it talk about his humanity, isn't it? It's explaining his humanity and his human obedience. And then comes, therefore, God has highly exalted him. As he acted as a man, fully God, fully man, acted, carried out his work. Therefore, God highly exalted him. In Hebrews, it kind of explains it a bit, even a bit more. It says that, therefore, 
Hebrews 2. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So because he, because he entered fully into humanity, he can take us with him. If he hadn't done that, if he hadn't suffered, if he hadn't felt tempted, he wouldn't be able to help us. He wouldn't be able to restore humanity from the outside. He had to come into the inside of humanity in order to redeem and restore and take humanity with him to where, to where he's going. He becomes human so that he can take us with him. This great, this great prayer from a, a Franciscan monk, he says, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for becoming a human being so that I do not have to pretend to try to be a God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming finite and limited so I do not have to pretend that I'm infinite and limitless. Thank you, crucified God, for becoming mortal so that I do not have to try to make myself immortal. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming inferior so I do not have to pretend that I am superior to everyone. I thank you for becoming weak so I do not have to be strong. I thank you for being willing to be considered imperfect and strange so that I don't have to be perfect and normal. <laughs> it's a relief, isn't it? <laughs> I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to be dis disapproved of so I do not have to try so hard to be approved and liked. I thank you for being considered a failure so I do not have to give my life trying to pretend I'm a success. I thank you for being wrong by the standards of religion and state so I don't have to be right anywhere. I thank you for being poor in every way so I do not have to be rich in any way. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being all of the things humanity despises and fears so I can accept myself and others in you. So, if we're just humans, have we established that? Yeah, <laughs> good. If we're just humans, then what are we what are we doing here? What are we here for? What are we, what are we living here for? What are we here for? Here's two things just to help us. Here's two things we're not here for. Then we'll talk about what we are here for. Two things I would like to say. I'm sure there's lots of other things we're not here for, but two key things connected to this I'd like to say we're not here for is number one, we're not here to live our lives 
carrying around a sense of inadequacy for not being God. Jesus himself, we've already talked about, he didn't kind of immunise himself against his humanity. He needed to rest. He needed to withdraw. He needed to inquire with his father what's next. He needed loving union time with his father. So we're not here to feel inadequate that we're not God. Number two, number two, church, church. We're not here to feel that we're laboring in vain. Paul talks, doesn't he, about holding fast to Christ throughout everything so that Paul, so that he would be sure that he has not laboured in vain. We don't labour in vain here as humans. We don't. If we continue in the battle, labouring for the gospel, giving our best as agents of the kingdom, sharing the gospel, training, raising disciples, we will not be labouring in vain. However it feels, whatever ideas we have about it on different days of the week, we will not be labouring in vain. Just think about that. Church, risen light church, we are not labouring in vain. We're not labouring in vain. We can feel like it, but that is a trick of discouragement of the enemy. Who are you? You're too small. What can you do? We are not labouring in vain. We, sh we sung and shouted the name of Jesus, just a few of us. That's not labouring in vain. Being around our community, our neighbours, that's not labouring in vain. Helping, teaching, discipling one another, we're not labouring in vain. Whatever we do, whatever we do, if we keep going, taking our weakness, our humanity, and using that with which to honour God, we're not wasting our time. We're not being ineffective. Everyone, everyone in this room right now, keep going. Keep going. We're not, we're not doing this in vain. Keep going. And if you haven't been keeping going, start keeping going. <laughs> it's not in vain. It is not in vain. Even now, even right now, even right now, you could respond in your heart to, to this question. Will you, will you offer like the, the beauty, your beautiful humanity, will you offer it to serve me, says God. So we're not here to feel inadequate. We're not here to feel that we're labouring in vain. What are we here for? What are we here for? There's lots that we're here for. But three things came to mind, particularly looking at this passage from, from Genesis. These early, these early descriptions tell us that human beings have been 
kind of proposed or put forward for the love of God, for the love of God, for the love of, love of neighbours, and in a local place, all, for, all packaged for God's glory. For us humans, loving God, loving neighbours, being in a local place, blessing a local place, that seems insignificant, but that's true greatness. That is true greatness. It's amazing. This is who we are. God said, didn't he? It is very good. It is very good. This is who we are. So we're designed to live, number one, attentive to humanity around us. So we're to love each other. It's described in Genesis 2 about uh, a man and wife holding fast. We're to to love each other, we're to relate appropriately to our extended family. We're to cultivate and multiply community, as it says in Genesis 1, 28, to being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth. We're to cultivate and multiply community. God has specifically given you and me a handful of people that we're meant to love. Neighbours, family, colleagues, church family, friends. These are your people. These are your people. People in this room to love. These are your people. People in your neighbourhoods. These are your people. People you're sitting opposite a desk with. These are your people. And there's a, there's a mandate from the beginning to love these people. To love these people. Be attentive to the humanity that is around us. We don't need to wait, or when are my people going to come along? When will my people come and then I can do it? No, these are your people. These are your people. We don't need to almost be talking to, to these people, but kind of looking, oh, when's the, you know, looking over the shoulder, where's the, when's the other people going to come? These, these right in front of you, these are your people. Attending, this is attending to God's work. This is attending to God's work, to, his, to human faces, human people, their names, their stories, their backgrounds, where, where you are. God considers that to be significant work. So a good question. Who are your relationships to yourself? Who are your relationships? What have you got? Who are your people? Who do you sit next to? Who do you travel with? Who do you live close by? Who are your relationships? Are you being present and attentive to those relationships? Are you being present and attentive to those relationships? Well, when I, when I get sent to Afghanistan, I'll become a missionary. Imagine turning up in this place. What would you do as a missionary if you arrived somewhere as a missionary? What would you do? Would you talk about the gospel maybe? Help people? Befriend people? Pray for people? What would you do? All the, probably all those things. Think about how can I introduce people to Jesus? That would be, as a missionary, that's what I need to do. But... We just need to do that, but here and now. 
Who are your people? Number two, being attentive to our locality, our locality, that we're to recognise like the goodness and the, the sacredness of the place, the creatures, the things that God has created for us to watch over. Talked about, didn't it, that he's given us dominion over this. So what is our locality? We're to cultivate, contribute to cultivating this local culture. We've got an amazing culture here, haven't we? In, in Helsinki, we've got an amazing local culture. And we have, we have a mandate from God to give to cultivating, inputting, feeding into that local culture, not just taking out from it, but feed, feeding into that local culture. Working, keeping it, as it says in, in Genesis 2.15, this, this local, this work to the local culture reflects God's goodness. God will give us, he has given us, a local place to inhabit and a thing or things to do there in that local place, which means we give our, our energy to becoming attentive to what is whatever is there, whatever is in that local place. We give our attentiveness to that. Again, not daydreaming of somewhere else, but giving our attentiveness to our local place, to what's happening there, what's going on there, what are the issues there, what are the themes there, what are the problems, what are the great things, what can I enjoy, what can I encourage, all of that into a local place. So we need to be present where we are, not just thinking of another place. We need to dwell knowledgeably of our local place, tuned in to it, as we've just said, tuning in knowledgeably to our local place. We can think about the city as this big chunk, but we're tuned in locally to a, to a place. We just moved, helped move Dan and Lily, and then now they are in this new place. They then get to tune in locally to what's there to who's there and be hospitable, be ready to serve in that local place, not just to consume. It seems, it seems a bit mundane or plain, but this, this gives glory to God. Being local gives glory to God. So what is your locality? What is your locality at this point? What has God positioned you there to be fruitful in? What has God positioned you there to tap into and to glorify him in your neighbourhood? The last one of the three is that we are to be, so we said, didn't we, attentive to humanity, attentive to locality, of course, attentive in love, and dependency on God. That we are created. He's given us our humanity with which to love him. We were doing it this morning, weren't we? We were using, we were using our energy. We were using our bodies. We were using our voices. We were using our ideas and our thoughts to show our love for him, to tell him. We use our will to do it. We could kind of sit on our hands and say, I don't will myself to do it. But 
we choose, we write, right, I'll stand up now, right, I'll do this. We, we use our will to do it. And that gives glory to God. We use our humanity, we use our will to show our dependency on him. God's given you and me himself to surrender to and to love and to use ourselves to do that. That means daily, daily. This is, this is a challenge. This is a challenge, right? That means daily, orient your life, orient your life towards loving union with him. Orient your life, position your life towards loving union with him, towards like a moment by moment relationship with God. It brings such glory to him. It brings us such security and satisfaction. Position your life to loving God. If that means there's a big change to make in your life, then go for it. Do it. Position your life to be attentive to him. It's what you're born for. It's what you're born for. Question to yourself, what is the true, and this is not to share to others, but what is the true state of your devotion to God? Is it a bleary-eyed few minutes here and there? Is it something you're actively pursuing? What's the state of your devotion to God? I can ask myself the same. What are your excuses? What are your excuses for not loving God? And how can you use your humanity, so your time, your energy, your will, to grow this core component of your being? In the garden, this is the end, in the garden, the serpent, he didn't, he, he, he brashly whispered this illusion of an unlimited, unrestricted life. Come into the real world. Come into the real world where you know everything. You be like God. But we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made to be human. To humanly be local, love those around us, give our best to loving him. That's what we're humanly made for. That's what he meticulously designed for us. Not as a barrier to overcome, but he meticulously designed that for us. And that's what Jesus came to restore. That we could truly be human. That we could truly love God that we could truly love others, that we could truly be in our local culture. That's why Jesus came. We're not God. We're not God, and it's great news. It's great news. We don't need to feel ineffective or depressed about it. We are, we are the pinnacle of creation. It is very good, he said. We are the pinnacle, the top of creation. If we're human, we're made to be human. That's why so much that the, the doctrine of grace is not just a kind of luxury sort of theological varnish that we put onto everything, but it's the core, isn't it? I am who I am 
God is who he is, and he says he can accomplish this, and he's going to use an idiot like me. If we break it down to kind of simple, you know, I am who I am. I am who I am. I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, if I could just, then it could, then it could happen. I am who I am. But God's grace, God's grace will accomplish this, even with me. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can just pray for a moment, just to finish. Maybe we could stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I'm human. We're human. You're God. We're human. You're God. You want to know us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that one day we can, we can humanly stub our toe or something, but actually you're still doing the business. You're still being God. Thank you, Lord. We're human children of God, bought by the precious work of Jesus, bought into a glorious inheritance, bought into something so amazing. We receive. We receive so much. Lord, we just confess if we feel that we've been shortchanged, unfairly limited, and we throw ourselves onto your glorious inheritance. Lord, we just, we just recognise and we just say that we're human, but Lord, we recognise and we say, Lord, we need the work of your Spirit in our lives. We need the work of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray. Come refresh us now. Come refresh our lives now. Thank you, Lord. We've got human opportunities here in this life assigned by you to do your work, to co-labor with you. Holy Spirit, come empower us richly for the task ahead. Come empower us richly for the detail. Come empower us that we can glorify your name in our neighborhoods, in our, with our people. Come and help us, Lord, if we have struggled to find a place of union and love with you. Give us fresh desire. Give us fresh determination. Give us fresh hunger.
Lord, we just remember we just remember the promise over Abraham that you will through him fill the earth outnumber the grains of sand we're part of the tidal wave of that promise we're not exempt but we're part of the tidal wave of that promise 